Good morning. This morning's text is from James 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 5 through 8. And I read through this a little bit uh, during the week, and I am so excited for Reed's message about this today. And this, if you remember Reed's or Josh's message last week, this this today is is really going to talk about um, how we need to deal with with the trials and everything. So um, just really... Pay attention today, and I think you're going to get so much out of this message. I think it's just going to be so important for us. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've blessed us with today. Father, we thank you so much for this message that Reed's going to be presenting to us today. Father, my prayer is that, Father, you help us understand, to recognize each and every trial that we go through in our life. Father, I ask that you give us the wisdom to boldly approach you. Seek your wisdom and seek your knowledge during these trials. But, Father, more than anything, I just ask for the wisdom that, that, Father, we have faith, have total faith in you, that you're going to hear our prayers, that you're going to answer our prayers. Father, we have to have this faith. Father, just ask that you be with our brother Reed this morning. Father, bless him, comfort him, keep him calm during this message. Father, let the words that he speaks be your words. Father, we ask that you be with our teachers, be with the youth of this congregation, Father. Father, we ask that you be with members of this congregation that aren't with us today. Father, protect them, keep them safe, keep that hedge of protection around them. Father, we ask that you put your healing hand and comfort Beth Powell and her family and her father. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Father, we ask that you forgive us of our sins. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Greatest privileges of being a Christian is being able to go to God and get the wisdom that you need. Years ago, there was a a group of people I worked with. I ate lunch with them every day. And one day, somebody in our group brought this puzzle in for us to solve. And it was a piece of paper with a string looped through it with two beads on the end. And you're supposed to find a way to separate the string from the paper without tearing the paper or breaking the string. And this kind of became this topic of conversation for like a week or two at at work. Just everybody was focused on it. No one could figure it out. And we had engineers. We had smart people in the room. It, and uh, But about this time, or at this, that time, Cindy and I were just leaving on a short vacation to Door County, Wisconsin. And one day on our trip, I pulled out this puzzle uh, while I was driving. And just, I don't know why, but I just said, Lord, you gave wisdom to Joseph. You gave wisdom to Daniel. And I ask you for the wisdom to solve this puzzle. And I will give you the glory at work if you do that. 
And within seconds, I mean, just immediately, I was driving down the road, and immediately it came into my mind how to solve this puzzle. And it worked. So when I got back to work, I shared that with the believers and unbelievers, uh, how God gave me the wisdom to solve that. Now, some would consider this a very frivolous, very silly example of getting wisdom from God, but I never forgot it, and I recall it to mind often when I feel the need for wisdom. We are given an amazing and comforting promise here in James that no matter what trial you are going through, no matter what trial you will ever go through, big or small, whether it lasts for five minutes or five years, God will give you all the wisdom that you need to get through it. God will send wisdom from his throne in heaven so that you will know just what to do. You know, Josh said last week, the first thing that that people ask when a trial comes or when they encounter a trial is why. And when Josh said that, Luke leaned forward. He he whispered to me over here uh, in the front of the auditorium, and he said, that's not what I ask. I ask, how can I get out of this the quickest way possible? And I, I think those are two questions that we do ask in trials, but I think there is a third question a third big question that comes to us when trials press in upon us. And that question is, oh my, what should I do? Or, oh my, how am I going to handle this? How do I respond to this? The very definition of a trial or a problem is that it changes things. It throws you a curve. And so there is immediately a question, how am I supposed to? To react. You get an email from someone that cuts you to shreds. Or your car has a major problem and there's no room in the budget to repair it. Or you experience some huge disappointment with one of your children. Or with a close friend. Or you had such great hopes for something. Such great hopes, even, even spiritually minded hopes. You just were sure God was in it and it just didn't happen. Or you have a family to take care of, and you just you aren't getting enough sleep. Or it seems that no matter what you do, you can't please your boss at work. These are all trials. And James has already told us to count these things pure joy. He's already told us that. I can't repeat the message from last week. It's a great, great, great truth, but, but that's the first response that God tells us to have to trials. Count these things pure pure joy, joy, because we see that our trials are a pathway to wholeness or completeness, perfection, to the fullness of all that God has destined you to be in Christ. Trials are a pathway to that. So when we see them as that, we understand them as that, we count all of our trials as pure joy. But you also need wisdom. I mean, one, you count it as joy. You say, okay, it's all joy. But now what do I do? You also need wisdom to know what to do and how, how to see your trials, how, what kind of perspective to have on your trials to be able to see your troubles with this supernatural perspective of joy. There was once a king named Jehoshaphat who expressed this very same reaction to his trial. A vast army came against him. 
to drive him and his people out of their land. He's, an, he's king of Israel, of Judah. And his forces, his army was so small compared to the enemy that he said, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And then he said this amazing thing that, that I say a lot when I face trials. He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that is largely what makes a trial a trial. You just do not know what to do. You don't know which way to turn, what to do, or what to say. Psalm uh, 107 describes different people in different kinds of troubles. One of my favorite psalms. And in verse uh, 27, it talks about a particular group of people, and it says that they were at their wit's end. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And the New American Standard Bible footnote on this phrase says, literally, all their wisdom was swallowed up. And that's how you feel in a trial. So that's why James addresses, right after he told us to consider it all joy whenever you face trials, he says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. So trials drive us. They make us see our lack. They make us see our need for God. They make us see our need for wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God. And this promise for wisdom is for any who lack. If, if you are overcome by a trial that just knocks you over and you feel your need, James says there is an answer for you. God will give you, yes, you, all the wisdom you need just as much as he would give to any other Christian, any other saint. I don't care if it's, you know, George Mueller who had all these answers to prayer or whoever. God will give wisdom to you, to any one of you who ask. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, or he should ask God. You know, so often when we don't know what to do or how to handle things, where do we turn? We tend to go read a book, go to other people, or get on the internet and do some kind of Google search. There's a tendency to go to anything or anybody but God. But James says, when you lack, when you lack wisdom, go to God. Go ask God. He doesn't even say, sit down and mull this over in your mind until you can think of a solution. He says, when you lack wisdom, go to God. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't use your mind. He's given us mind, our mind as a gift, and he utilizes that. But our minds as believers really only function right when we are, used, when we are trusting God and seeking him for wisdom. So how do I pray to get this wisdom? What do I do? Do I, do I need to work up a certain feeling? Do I need to work up some sort of certain spiritual state so that I'm uh, in this, in this uh, sort of mystical place where I can somehow get these signals? Or, you know, what do I need to do? Um, do I need to pray for a certain amount of time? Is there, is there a secret formula, a, a secret way to pray of getting this wisdom from God? Well, James says the secret formula for getting wisdom from God is ask. Ask. 
It's that simple. There's nothing more to it. Go to God and ask him as specifically as if you were going to the bank and, a- and asking for a loan for your house. It, ask God as specifically as you would go ask your wife out for, to go out for dinner with you. you, you it's something that you don't just kind of, I think I'm asking God for wisdom. No, you, you know if you're asking God for wisdom or not. You, 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 you take a time, a place, you specifically go and ask for wisdom, maybe even write it down. For years, I kept a uh, notebook of every prayer major, every significant prayer request with a date, what I prayed, and go back and, and write down when I, when I got the answer. But I, I, I knew when I was asking something of God because I recorded it. It's something that you, you, it's something that you consciously do, okay? It's, you, you directly go to God and you ask him. And you ask knowing that God is generous and wants to give to you and is ready to give to you the wisdom that you need. Uh, This verse continues, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, when you go and ask, you're to go with an attitude of complete trust. You're to go with an attitude of trust in the generosity of God. Uh, David Guzik said, he is the God of the open hand. I like that. I mean, God is not a stingy God. He is not more prepared to say no than yes. He is a God of an open hand. Alexander uh, McLaren, the old Scottish preacher, uh, said this could, be, this could be translated, let him ask of the giving God. In other words, this is like a title of God. So what is God like? He is a giving generously without reproach kind of God. God is glad to give to you. And he gives without reproach or without finding fault. In other words, he does not resent you asking. He, he never says, well, you should have asked earlier. I can't help you now. Or if you had done what I told you the last time, you wouldn't be here again asking. He is not bothered by you. He does not put you off. He does not, when you ask, he doesn't immediately respond by finding fault with you. No, he wants to give generously to you. All he he asks is that you ask him and that you believe in his willingness to give to you. Now, I think... In my own mind and heart, and from what I see in, in, in Scripture, I'm not, I'm not just offering this as, as, a, as an, a, an opinion without scriptural basis. I think from Scripture there are all kinds of wisdom that you need when you encounter troubles and trials. And first, you need wisdom as to how you can rejoice in the middle of your trials. James told us to count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Now, your mind and your feelings probably will push back at that. At least many people express kind of a pushback to that. But we need God's wisdom to see things this way and to feel this way. 
we need God's wisdom to be able to consider these things all joy. John Calvin said, if this doctrine is higher than you can reach, ask the Lord to illuminate you by his spirit. He's talking about this doctrine of rejoicing, counting it all joy when you encounter various trials. I I, I love that, if this doctrine is higher than you can reach. Because I think it probably is a little higher than all of us can reach. And so we need wisdom from God. God, help me to see life this way. Help me to see life in a new way so that I actually see a trial, encounter a trial, and I'm growing into this so that my immediate response is to count it pure joy because I know that you're using this to bring bring me to my full destiny in Christ of completeness, of wholeness, of perfection. So ask for godly perspective. I think that's a part of the wisdom that we need in our trials. We can only count our trials all joy when we see things differently than everybody else sees them. When we begin to see things in a new way that we never used to be able to see them. It takes wisdom to look at trials this way. There is a a pagan or a worldly way of looking at trouble and God's way of looking at trouble. God's way is to count your trials pure joy. And this does take wisdom from God. You know, when Job lost all of his possessions, all his wealth, he he was the richest man in the world. He lost all his wealth, even his children. He fell, he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you can lose everything and your first response is to bow down and worship the Lord and say, blessed be the name of the Lord, that is wisdom. Paul and Silas were flogged beaten, thrown in prison at Philippi, and with bloody backs, and in prison they sang hymns to God at midnight. That's wisdom from God, to be able to see their trials in such a way that they could do that. When you see another believer, when you see someone rejoicing in the midst of trouble, someone who is not complaining or grumbling, but is praising God and thanking God, that person, you can be assured, has wisdom from God. Do you want that? Do you want that? Ask. Ask God for that kind of wisdom. Second, in tribulation and trials, you need wisdom to know what to do. I mean, so often when a trial, trial comes, the, 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 there's, there's something about a trial that you, you either need to do something or not do something. You need to say something or not say something. You need to respond or not respond and you need wisdom to know what to do, what direction to head, whether to, whether to do nothing at all or to move forward. And when King Jehoshaphat that I referred to earlier needed to know what, what to do when he was surrounded by the Assyrian army, he said, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And because his eyes were on you, because in a sense he was doing exactly what James tells us to do, we lack wisdom. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I'm looking to you for wisdom. Because he looked to God for wisdom, God told him what to do. Through the Holy Spirit, through a prophet, God told him, do not fear. Tomorrow, march down against them. You will not have to fight. Stand and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. 
So he knew what to do. He didn't know what to do. He looked to God and God told him what to do and how we need that in our trials and troubles. King Solomon was faced with a dilemma of judging between, between two women who were harlots. Both had babies, and one of the women rolled over on her baby during the night, and it died. So she exchanged her dead baby with the living baby of the other woman. And you think, in those days, without DNA testing, how, how would you ever solve this case? But Solomon had asked for wisdom from God. And so God put it into his mind what to do. Solomon said, get me a sword and divide the living child in two and give half to each woman. But the, one, but the woman whose child was the living one was deeply moved. And she said, my Lord, give her, give the other woman the living child and do not kill him. Well, Solomon immediately knew who the real mother was and he said, give the living child to the first woman. She is its mother. And the story concludes with this observation. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they stood in awe of the king. And then here's the phrase I want you to get. Because they saw that the wisdom of God was in him. That's how Solomon knew what to do do in that situation. In a very perplexing, difficult situation. He knew what to do because the wisdom of God was in him. And that is exactly what James promises us what God promises you through James, that he will put the wisdom of God in you so that you will know what to do in the troubling, perplexing tribulations and trials and situations in life. There was no biblical command to tell Solomon what to do when the two harlots claimed the same baby. He needed wisdom from God for that moment. And the plain, simple beauty of this promise is that if you need wisdom to know what to do, ask God and he will tell you. If you believe, if you trust in that and do not doubt, God will tell you what to do. Third, you need wisdom to make the right moral choices in your troubles or trials. You need wisdom to make the right Godly moral choices as opposed to foolish or sinful choices in your trouble. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord will give you good judgment in what you should do in all the circumstances of life. We need wisdom to do the right thing, to say the right thing, to make the right decision. When you, when you are in a trial, you are vulnerable to making unwise decisions. When you're in a trial, you're vulnerable to making ungodly, sinful choices, saying ungodly and sinful things. You may be tempted to strike back at that person that you feel is the source of your trial. But that is not the wisdom of God. Later, James will tell us that the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that comes from God is pure, it's peaceable, gentle, and full of mercy. So you can know know for sure if if you think the wisdom that you're getting in a situation is the fight and the quarrel, you can know for sure that's not wisdom from above. Ask God 
for wisdom in your trial, and he will guide you in a righteous response. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He will give you wisdom to walk in a, in a, in a righteous response, not in an angry, uh, fleshly response. He will give you that kind of moral, godly wisdom. James makes it clear that that God promises that if you ask for wisdom, it will be given to you. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and it will be given him. Jesus said the same thing. If anyone asks, it will be given him. This is a promise. It's a rock-solid promise that if you choose, if you choose to live this way, you can believe that. What, what assurance, what blessing, what confidence to base your life on this kind of a promise. God will give you wisdom. If you ask, it will be given him. It is based on the faithfulness of God. It is based on the generosity of God. It is based on the promise of God. It is based on the, the nature of God, the God who gives. Ask, ask, and in some way, And somehow, in some way, at the right time, you will know what to do. Stand. Stand firm in your faith on this. How does this wisdom come to us? I think people can get really confused about this. How does this wisdom come to us? Okay, I ask God for wisdom. I have a problem. I'm in a trial. And I go to God. And I say, God... I want wisdom. I want to know what to do, what to say. Okay, how will this wisdom come to me? Will I hear, will I hear a voice? Should I expect to hear a voice? Uh, will God speak to me in a dream or a vision? Uh, should I sit still for an hour or try to, try to hear something inside my head? And I, I'm not discounting you know, any way that God w- would reveal his wisdom to you, but All I'm going to point out here is that James doesn't say how it will come to you. He just says it will come. It will be given to you. And so our focus should not necessarily be on on how it will come to us, but on absolute rock-solid faith that it will come to us. So James doesn't say how it will come. He just says it will come. It will be given to you from God. So I think it would not be wise to always expect to hear from God in a certain way. And I actually think you can get really enslaved over that kind of expectation. You know, maybe God does give you a certain impression or a certain word or something. And so you think, well, that's why always the wisdom is going to come to me. I think we just keep our eyes on the Lord. God, you speak to me. God, you show that you show this to me and uh, trust in him. To, to do that. I, I hope that's helpful. I'm not trying to kibosh any way that God would speak to us. But I, I, I just, I think we, sh- we can get uh, tripped up if we don't just keep our eyes on the Lord to give us this wisdom. Now, but a couple of things we do know. We gain wisdom by God illuminating the scriptures to us. So if we, if we want to be wise people, if we want to be people that are walking in wisdom, living in wisdom, we Go to the scriptures. 
Psalm 119.98 says, Your commands or your, your word makes me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the aged, because I obey your, your precepts. And God promises an incredible wisdom that comes from his word. God uses the Bible to make you wise. In fact, one definition of wisdom is wisdom is applying the knowledge found in the Bible to everyday life situations. I think that's, I think that's pretty good. At least for a certain aspect of wisdom, that's, that's, that's just that's fantastic. And wisdom is applied knowledge. It's, it's not just knowing something. It's not just knowing a verse. It's not just you know, knowing the Bible. But it is, is the, it is the wisdom to know how to put those truths to work when you're driving to work or standing at your kitchen sink or when you're dealing with an un- unpleasant person or somebody's treated you like a jerk. It's, it's knowing how to use the Bible and put it into action in everyday life. Also, we obtain wisdom through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us to be with us and in us. The Holy Spirit is uh, an internal comforter, counselor, teacher. Uh, you have an anointing from God, and it teaches you about all things. It, it gives God, the Holy, God gives us wisdom through the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit in our hearts is always prompting, Impressing, leading, speaking, reminding us of things. And so, uh, when you're hit with a devastating trial, it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit's leading and and giving you wisdom to know what to do. Um, Alexander McLaren, again, this old Scottish uh, preacher that that I really enjoy, he said, Wisdom comes to us from the Spirit of God that dwells in men's hearts. And he goes on to say, um, this is not verbatim quote, but he goes on to say that the reason this promise in James means so little to most people is because they discount the reality of the Spirit of God actually dwelling in their heart and able to give them this wisdom. Wisdom is a gift, and it is to be obtained from the Holy Spirit who dwells in and works in all believers. Now, I'm going to do something just a, a bit risky. I'm going to share f- a few examples of where, where I believe God has given, given me wisdom. Just try to make this practical. It's not, not, certainly not to try to, to, to show off in any way because I, I've, I, uh, th- these are really very humble examples, honestly. Um, it, but as I thought about this passage, I've just been reminded of so many times that I have received Wisdom to deal with problems and trials. And very, very minor thing. Very minor thing. But I felt God in it. Uh, Just when we were driving up to Twin Lakes for the men's retreat Friday night, it was my responsibility to order and pick up the pizza at Casey's at a small town of which I can't remember on the way. We did it last year. It worked out fine. But I tried the same thing this year. I called him about a half hour out and ordered our pizza. And the gal said, oh my, you should have called much earlier in the day. There's no way I can get those pizzas for you. Uh, it's going to be a long time. And she said, you know, an hour, hour and a half maybe. She said, I'll just have to call you when they're done. I don't know when they'll be done. You know, my first response was panic. I mean, I felt like 
I'm responsible to feed dinner to these guys at the retreat. It's Friday night. Uh, everybody's enthused, and, you know, I'm going to throw this big wet blanket on everything. You're going to have to wait, you know, an hour or whatever for supper. Um, and so I thought, well, where else can I call for pizza? How could I be so stupid to not call earlier? Uh, guys are going to be hungry. You know, those, those are just kind of thoughts that initially ran through my mind. But I did, I did ask God for wisdom because I felt that I lacked it. I felt, like, I felt like I lacked wisdom to know what to do. And as I just prayed silently for wisdom and what to do, I simply felt impressed to just go ahead and take the guys in, our, in my car onto Twin Lakes so that they could unload and unpack, and then I would just head back and get the pizza. I didn't know how it would work out, but, I, but anyway, I felt that was wisdom from God. I just, I just had a settled sense, okay, stop worrying about calling six different other places, trying to order pizzas, stop, stop worrying about... Everything else, just I just felt that was wisdom from God to just take the guys on to Twin Lakes, unload, unpack, and then I would head back. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but it, but it all worked out. David Janicek rode back with me. We had a wonderful time of fellowship and conversation on our way. While we were, while we were on the way there, the, the gal at the pizza place called and says, Hey, I got six of your pizzas done. And uh, anyway, by the time we got there, we just couple of minutes all the other three were done we had nine pizzas for for our for us guys and it it, it all worked out but but be, I'm, I'm not really sharing it because like that was a huge miracle okay but it, it was to me because i needed wisdom i lacked wi- under wisdom of what to do i was panicking f- you know tempted to fear and um god gave me wisdom very simple wisdom just to know what to do and and then i i stopped doubting i stopped being afraid I just trusted in God and went forward, and you know he worked, worked it all out. I have had countless trials in business over the years in which the Lord has given me wisdom to know what to do in, with, in, in construction problems. And I don't like to talk about my business up front here that, that much, but I mean, that's where I live life, and I, I see God when I, when I ask him for wisdom. I, I remember a particular house that we were supposed to uh, start for a customer uh, and uh, just before we were supposed to start it, uh, there was, I saw an easement on the lot. I could not figure out how we were going to fit that house on the lot. I was up most of the night uh, thinking about how in the world is this ever going to work out? I'm just going to have to lose the job, send the people away. And I, I remember the next morning very clearly how the Lord showed me how to put the house on the lot to make it fit. And I, I can't go into all of it, but it was, like, it was like wisdom from God. I remember being lost in New Jersey on a toll road. We took Luke to some mall that he wanted to go to, and we turned, made a turn, and we found ourselves on this entrance ramp to a toll road that went to God knows where. And I was, I was scared to death, and we, I asked God to give me wisdom. And lo and behold, this toll road took us right by the hotel, hotel which we were staying. We looked over there and we said, that's where we're staying. And we got off at the next exit and got back there and it was like God gave us wisdom. You know, preparing to teach on Sundays, I cry out for wisdom. I never feel like I have what I need in order to share with you. I always feel like this huge sense of lack. And I think only, only guys that have gotten up here and, sh- and shared 
Jason, Mark, David, Josh, you, you know what, that, what, what it can feel like. It, 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 it can be overwhelming. But you cry out to God for wisdom, what to say or how to teach a passage. I need thoughts. I need words, Lord. I need phrases. I need examples. And, you know, and to see, see God supply, it's all, it, it, it actually always kind of amazes me. And then when I get done with the message, I think, oh, no, I need another miracle for next time. You know, with some of the painful things in our family, uh, the wisdom that God has given me is just to know that the outcome of the Lord's dealings are always good. It's just, it's just there's wisdom. I just know that God writes and finishes the stories, and all of the, of the Lord's stories have a glorious ending. And so you just rest in that wisdom. Sometimes you ask for wisdom, and the answer is that you are shown exactly what to do. Other times, the answer is just to wait upon God. As, as when the Lord said, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. That was one of our memory texts here, Exodus fourteen fourteen. I mean, sometimes that's God's answer. It isn't always to know what to do. He may just tell you to do nothing, to just, just shut up, be silent, just wait. I'll, I'll take care of it. Sometimes that's the wisdom that you're shown in a situation. Sometimes the answer is just, is just to accept the humiliation, the reproach, accept the financial loss, don't defend yourself, just entrust yourself to God. But if you, have, if you know that that's the wisdom that God has given you, it's okay. You have peace, and you know that God is directing you. So, but whatever the wisdom is that God gives you when you ask and pray in faith, just hold on to that. Hold on to that, and don't doubt. And it, you know, don't doubt in the darkness what God shows you in the light. Once you feel that you've obtained wisdom from God, don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Just go forward. And, and, which really is our transition and transition to the next uh, section of this. Then James moves on, moves on to how important it is to ask God with faith. Verse 6 says, He must ask in faith without any doubting. It's kind of scary sometimes when we read that. He must ask in faith without any doubting because we know how easy it is for us to, to doubt. But faith is coming to God in complete confidence that he will supply your need, whatever it is. It's just this unshakable confidence that you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, God will take care of this. God will supply the wisdom that I need, or God will supply whatever it is I need. Doubt says just the opposite. Doubt says God will not supply what I need, or God will probably not supply what I need. And James is telling us here to get off the fence. You know, either be a believer or an unbeliever. Either trust or don't trust. Get off this fence of faith or doubt. So if you pray for wisdom, and that's what he's talking about here. There's other things that you can ask for. But if you pray for wisdom, you can either get up from that prayer with confidence that God will give you wisdom, or you can pray... And then immediately begin to talk about how terrible and hopeless your trial is and how you don't just don't know what you're going to do or how you can go on. That is doubt. And James says, it's a problem. He says, it's a big time problem. Now, I don't think this means that if you have one thought of doubt into your mind, 
that your faith is ruined. I think Satan can even use that to kind of discourage us. Uh, Doubt is when you let those thoughts of unbelief settle into your heart. When you believe your doubts. It's when you believe your doubts. When you accept your doubts. That's when the problem comes. Satan attacks all of us with doubts. And we've all probably struggled with doubts at times. But when thoughts of doubt or despair or unbelief come into your mind, just the mere thought does not mean that you're a double-minded person unless you give yourself to that doubt. Unless you, as I say, put your faith in that doubt instead of in God's promise. Now, having, having said that, James makes it clear that doubt is a big problem in the Christian life. James does not sugarcoat this warning. He does not say this to condemn you and me, but to make us see how terrible doubt is and to move you to repudiate it. James wants you, he wants you to understand the inner dynamics that lead you to answered prayer. Okay, He wants you to be able to ask for wisdom and get it. And so, he, he wants you to understand how this works so that that, so that, that will happen, so that you, can, you experience this. And he says, the way that you ask for wisdom and obtain it is through a single-minded faith. It's through an all-out commitment to faith. It's trusting with all of your heart that God will answer. So you ask for this wisdom, and you trust with all of your heart that God will answer, and you repudiate all thoughts of unbelief. Verse 6 says, The one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 8, Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. And nothing brings uh, turmoil into your spiritual life more than living in belief and then unbelief. Trusting God and then not trusting God. James, James says this kind of person's life is like the waves of the sea. It makes you unstable in all your ways. There's no steady peace, no inner quietness, no calm strength, just restlessness and endlessly going up and going down. Confident in God one moment, then throwing away your faith and sinking into despair the next moment. It's just, just like the waves of the sea. I, I got a chuckle out of an old commentator that I, I pick up once in a while. I still go back and pick up an old J. Vernon McGee commentary. And what he, I thought I'd be interested to see what he says on this. And he, he said he talked about how much he doubted God when he was in college. And he, what, he said what, how miserable a person he was when he was in college. Uh, because every year he doubted that he would have enough money to make it back next year. And then he said this, he said, I sure would have had a lot more fun when I was, was in college if I had not doubted. And I think, how true. Life, I'm telling you, life is a whole lot more fun if you're not doubting. If you're just rock solid confident in God, that he's got you, that he's going to take care of you, that he's going to supply what you need, that he's going to answer. Verse 7 adds this uh, sober note of warning, that person should not expect to receive anything 
from the Lord. Uh, now, you know, that's not a verse that we would ever quote in our sort of positive-only kind of Christianity, is it? Uh, we just think, well, you don't, you don't say things like that to people. James, come on. Don't embarrass us. Uh, but James says, he says, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Again, not to condemn, but James wants us to know how serious doubt is. Doubt will will result in God withholding his answers and gifts. Don't play with doubt is basically the answer. Don't play with doubt. You know, James McDonald said this about doubt. You are, you are not at the mercy of every doubt that comes into your mind. You're not. You don't have to be. Doubts will come. However, you do not have to let them undermine your faith. Doubts can actually drive you back to God and back to God's promises rather than to cause you to fall away from him. So in other words, when a doubt comes, you actually use that doubt to drive you back to the promise of God and to confidence. You, 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 you use that experience to, to resist, to renounce your doubt, to turn away from it, and to reaffirm your confidence in God and what he has said. Often we hear two voices. James says, Side with the voice of faith only. Shut off the other voice. Shut, sh- turn down the volume on worry and fear and doubt. And turn up the volume on faith. Instead of, instead of trusting in your doubts, push them aside and reaffirm your faith in God. So, the message here is so simple, I really could have just read this passage and not said anything about it. I really could have. And I loved what, you know, the Mike, his opening prayer and the thoughts that he shared and just ex- his excitement about what God has to say to us just from reading this passage. Just ask for wisdom. Ask for the wisdom you need. What to say, what to do, how to view life. Ask with complete, total confidence that God will give it. And don't doubt it. It's a great way to live. And James says, this is the way that we live, or this is, the, this is living as a whole, complete, perfect person that God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for telling us how to get wisdom from you and promising that we can and promising your willingness to give it to us. God, I pray that you'd revolutionize the way that we live life, the way that we face our troubles uh, from this passage by your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.